0: Welcome back to the Bone Your Podcast, everybody. This is your host, Artemis Brower, along with...
1: Jared Shaffett.
0: Jared, how are we doing? Episode 69. Nice. How are we, we feeling?
1: We're feeling nice, buddy. Episode good, good. 69. There, there's no other way to feel, especially coming out off of a huge win. I mean, a, yeah. a, a season kind of... I, mean, I don't want to say a season-defining win, but that was, right. a, that was a win that ECU needed last week. So right. coming coming off that, I'm feeling I'm feeling nice. Artie, how you feeling, man?
0: Yeah, this episode's got a little bit of a different feel to it. I mean, it's just it's it's not the same old episode that we used to have and coming on here. We're we're, we're a lot more excited. <laughs> the the, the <laughs> sky know, is
1: not falling, guys. Right, you know,
0: there's a, there's a bigger outlook on on life now. But uh, feeling good, man. And uh, I'd be remiss if we had an episode 69 and I did not mention at least one famous 69. Um, mm-hmm. One that comes to mind for me. I, not I the kind you find
1: on on, on on the internet. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not,
0: not that kind. Not that kind. Even though I know people are thinking that. But Jared Allen, Minnesota Vikings, I think he's a Hall of Fame uh, defensive end for the Minnesota Vikings. I love watching that man with the, with the cowboy hat and the cowboy boots growing up as a kid come out there and just wreck havoc on people's offenses and on quarterbacks. Um, there's been plenty of other good 69s, but he's just the one that comes to mind for me. Uh, so.
1: I am going I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a different route. I'm going to go Bronson Arroyo, uh former okay, Cincinnati, Red, Cincinnati Reds pitcher. He always had kind of a interesting uh pitch delivery. Mm-hmm. Um I mean he he won a World Series. He was an All-Star. Uh Gold Glove winner. I mean he he had he didn't have the best ERA. He had a 4.28 ERA, but I mean he he's one of those guys. He's now now he's a country music singer. Um so nice. definitely Definitely an interesting guy. Uh, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, the Braves signed him for just a little bit. Uh, gave him gave him enough time for a time for a cup of coffee, and then out out he went. But uh, but yeah, Bronson Arroyo. Shout out to him. He's also. I mean, if if you wear that number, if you wear that number on purpose, you've got to have some kind of like asshole in you, right? Like that. Right, you yeah. you've got to kind of be like that kind of guy, like.
0: Or, or at least be decent. You got you to gotta at least be decent yeah. if you're going to wear that number on purpose.
1: Like, if you're going to wear that, like, there's a lot of numbers out there that, like, if you wear it, it's like, okay, that's just the number you got during training camp and that's what you stuck with. Right. No, if you wear that number, you're wearing it on purpose.
0: 69's always got a story to it.
1: It, it They always have a story, <laughs> don't they, already? Um, <laughs> they story. But, yeah, yeah, shout out to those guys. Another uh, – an honorable mention, uh, and I, I know this is a, a shout out to, to a friend of the podcast. Kyle Manick. David Bakhtiari.
0: Oh uh, yeah. 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 I was looking at him last night when I was looking up the name. I was like, okay, yeah, that would that would be one for Kyle, but I couldn't do it.
1: Yeah, nah. Screw the Packers.
0: Sorry, that's my uh that's my phone that keeps going off. I'm trying to silence that. It's connected to the to the to the laptop. So
1: are Artie's figuring out how to be uh part of the blue message. I I,
0: I I'm still figuring it out. I really am. It's 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 a process. I still kind of miss my Android, but that's okay. With that being said, let's dive right into this ECU Marshall game recap because that was a hell of a game, Jared. Kind of break it down. Just we're gonna we're gonna try to go step by step because there's a lot to break down in this game. So kind of just break down what you saw first half and 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 the initial thoughts of of what might have been an ECU blowout that you know was not to be.
1: Yeah. So I mean, really, the the thing that stood out to me. Um, looking at looking at first half uh it it was it, it was kind of a that back and forth game right that that we yeah. kind of expected um in the in the first half it, it was kind of all right we take a punch, they take a punch, we take a punch, they take a punch. The one thing i liked i, I did like uh marshall starting off with the ball first I, I liked uh that 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 they chose to take the ball and that uh i mean we held them to three on the first drive um that 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 was good to see. I would. I'll, I'm always a fan for taking the ball in the second half. Um, I, I just that's the way I roll. I believe in our defense more than I believe in our offense, so I, I like to see that. Um, now, as far as the as the game went along, that third quarter looked like shit for us. We we yeah. played we played terribly that third quarter, and to be honest with you, Artie, I was like, man, like this is gonna happen again. Like we're gonna. This is how this is how the last forty five four to five years have gone. We've played decent first half. We're close at the half. Then we get blown out in the third quarter. Now it's it's garbage time, right? The fourth whole fourth quarter is garbage time. But Coach Mike Houston and, and this this roster, the one thing I've got to say about Coach Mike Houston, and I, I've got nothing but good things to say about him for the most part, he doesn't let this team give up. This team cannot give up under under Coach Mike Houston, and he, I mean, he showed it this past week. Down seventeen with seven and a half minutes to go, and you come back and win by four. I mean, that's not Scotty Montgomery. You end up losing by thirty. I mean, right. that, that that's what happened. But with with Coach Houston, you're you're going for, you're going for it. The, I mean, most teams when when ECU decided to kick the onside kick in the fourth quarter. Most teams go ahead and kick the ball downfield. I mean, you got three timeouts. Mm-hmm. You, you kick the ball downfield and, and you take your chance. But what I what I saw from this football team this past week was aggressiveness. They were aggressive. They went out and just like Coach Logan once said, at East Carolina, you go for it. Right. You go for it. And we did it. We went for it. We went for it on fourth down. We went for it. We had a trick play. We had a trick play that turned out to be a touchdown for two a second straight week, right? Those are the types of things that I saw or that I see from Coach Houston and his staff and this roster that shows me something has changed amongst the culture in that locker room, right? Something has changed dramatically from the Scotty Montgomery days. We're not in that hellhole anymore. Mm-hmm. We're, we're climbing out of it, right? And and that would be my one key takeaway from this past weekend is the aggressiveness on both sides of the ball, really, but the aggressiveness to to say, okay, we're going to lay all our chips out on the table. We're going we're gonna to show our cards, and this is what we're going to go for. And we're going to go, and if it doesn't work, at least we tried. And, I mean, the call for – like I said, the call for the onside kick, that's ballsy. I mean, like I said, you have three timeouts. Two and a half minutes left, you're down, you're down what, three?
0: At that point, yep. So
1: so then, I mean, all you have to do is, all you have to do is hold them. Your defense has played okay. I mean, it's not, it wasn't as good as South Carolina, against South Carolina, but hey, your defense played decent, and you you have an opportunity to hold them, get a big stop, get down the field, kick a field goal, go to overtime. Coach Houston, once he kicked the onside kick, that told me they weren't playing for overtime.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They wanted to go out there and win that football game. Right. And, and that that stood out to me tenfold. Like, that was, that was the number one thing that stood out to me from Saturday night.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, this is definitely one of those kind of wins that you can build off of and build on. Because, like you said, had this been Scotty Moe, we would have gone down by 17 in the 4th and then we probably would have gone down by even more. We would have lost that game by by more than 20 points. We would not have had the kind of guys that would have wanted to just say, "You know what? Screw it. Let's let's see what we can do. Let's continue to play our brand of football and keep and 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 keep churning at this thing and keep chugging along." That was a heavyweight fight. Marshall hit us with some like some serious haymakers. I mean, Marshall was hitting us with some serious haymakers and it would have been very easy to quit. It would have been very easy to just say, "You know what? This just ain't our night. We, we came out here, we tried, we've done the trick plays, we've done this, that, and the third, and it's just not our night. And they've had some things go their way, we haven't had some things go our way so far. It would have been very easy to quit, and we did not do that. And that was the number one thing I love to see from this squad on Saturday night. They did not quit, they did not give up. I wanted to talk a little bit about Marshall's three-headed monster because that was just in- insane. The combination of Rasheena Ali, who had 24 rushes, 189 yards, and three touchdowns, Grant Wells, who threw for 433 yards, had a rush t- uh, TD and a passing touchdown. And then Corey Gamidge, who we couldn't control all the – the tall kid with the dreads, you couldn't control him on that. He had um, 180 yards, eight receptions. So that three right there made up pretty much 55 to 60% of Marshall's offense. They ended up getting 647 yards of total offense. So they almost had, you know, almost 700 yards of total offense, which is absurd. Um, so, I mean, our, our defense – did not play great, but they played opportunistic. We had turnovers. We had interceptions. We had big plays at the right time to kind of steer it around. And our offense, you know, to counteract what Marshall was doing, also put up big numbers. Houghton had a tremendous bounce back night. Tyler Snead, even though he had two big plays that were called back, still had a tremendous night. C.J. Johnson stepped up. Audio Matosho stepped up. Shane Calhoun, who, you know, I had not really heard too, too much from, but you had called out the tight ends on the episode before. So shout out to that. Um, he stepped up and had a big night. This was just a full effort on all fronts. And the way that we did not count ourselves out and did not. I mean, down 17 in the fourth, that's probably a game you should lose. And yeah. we said to hell with that. And we came all the way back and won that game at Marshall with an onside kick at the end of the game to be ultra aggressive. So that's one of those games where that you can truly build off of. And hopefully we do.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is one of those games that, in the past, ECU definitely loses. Right. Like, going into the third quarter, fourth quarter, you know, okay, this game's over, right? Like, there's no shot. We're not going to even put up put up a fight. Might as well go ahead and start the buses, hit hit the road, get on the plane, and head back to Greenville. Now, I mean, we see – I mean, to go on – anytime you go on the road, there's always a, a – it's always tougher to play on the road. It always is. There's – a. There, there's an air of unfamiliarity, especially going into a, a hostile environment like Huntington, West Virginia, um, up there at Marshall. I mean, it, it's something that we haven't really seen. And I mean, this is the. I mean, this is really the first true road game that this team has played in two years, right? Right. And to go out there and and win it, I mean, that's. I mean, it's it's big. It's it's a major. Um, Step in the right direction. I think um, I, I really, I really did like it. The the one thing, yeah, the defense, it, it, it's that bend but not break That's mentality, right? Because that, we
0: definitely gave up a lot of yards, and a lot of points.
1: Yeah, but at the same time, you, if you're giving up the big plays, you've got to be able to answer to to get the ball back, mm-hmm. to find some stuff. I don't I don't care how many yards you give up they they don't care they don't ask how many or they don't ask how they ask how many and at the end of the day the the ECU defense gave up less points than the Marshall than the Marshall defense so right. i mean that that's how that's how you win ball games right um so to me that that's the one thing i mean another also shout out Tegan Wilk with a for the second week in a row getting a touchback on a fumble through the end oh, zone oh yes
0: yes that was a huge play some many mean, big plays in this game to be honest with you
1: I mean, that so the, the interception on the one-yard line yep. at the end of the game to, to seal the deal, I mean, these are things that in the past just don't happen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, I, I saw a tweet from, from our, You
0: got to remember, Corey Gammage was going in to score on that touchback. Marshall was about to get yeah. back, go up even more. So yeah. that was a huge play.
1: Yeah, and hey, just punch the football out and see what happens, you know? Right. Rolls out the back of the end zone, touchback. Alright, EC ball. That that it's unfortunate at times for the other team, but guess what? That's how you play ball. That's how you play ball. And uh I, I was I was really impressed to see that. I mean it was um it was definitely one of those things that you don't you don't see that often. And we've mm-hmm. seen two in two weeks. Right. So um that that to me is it's a good sign. Um there I mean there's nothing bad I really can say about this game. Yeah, I would have loved for the for the defense to play a little bit better, but, um, I mean. The the only other thing is is this offensive line, man. This offensive line, what it's what they give up? Not what they give up. Nine tackles for loss, five sacks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: it it's still struggling, very yeah. much. So,
1: I mean, ECU lost thirty eight yards on tackles for loss. I mean, compared to twelve yards on four tackles for loss uh, on the other side so that that's something that i mean the the four or five range is okay. I'm okay with that every game. You can't be giving up ten negative plays every single game and expect to win a game
0: and i and I kind of wanted to ask you, how' you felt or how do you feel Holton goes from here do do you think Holton's trajectory is is on the up and up, or do you think because of that offensive line, we still have to tamer our expectations? based off of what he did in his last game.
1: Well, this is still the – I mean, this is still a better offensive line than we had last year. And we've seen right. in Holden's career that he starts to do better as the season goes on. And he starts to figure out that timing. He figures out his his cadence. He he figures all that out, right, mm-hmm. as, as the year goes on. And for me, this was kind of the he, – he had his one kind of – bad game that, that he's gonna that he gets against right. south carolina where he had 77 yards of passing mm-hmm. he had he had a better game this week i mean i i think the the only way to go is up um i mean he he still has more to prove to pirate nation and to to america as a whole but yeah. um but I, I think that he he has it kind of figured out and knows what he's knows what he's doing um, so yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta say, yeah, Holden, this isn't, this isn't the last we see of, of Holden, uh, putting up a good game, right? He's going to put up more good games this weekend. He's going to, I mean, hopefully he's going to put up a good game. He has to put up a good game against the FCS opponent. Um, but then even going into next week and next week's game, I don't want to look too far ahead, but that's a game that you could be two and two going into and, that if you if you have a good quarterback and the defense plays the way that they've been playing against a freshman quarterback in Tulane, then you're looking at a team that could be three and two coming out of week five when they started out zero and two, right? Right. So that that's what I'm kind of thinking of, and I, I think that um, Coach Patrick, Coach Houston, Holton, I think that they've all kind of had that discussion. We've seen the fire that that whole nailers has, and uh, and I got to think that. He's going he's gonna to continue with that passion and, and uh, that drive that, that we've seen out of him time and time again where he's got that dog mentality, and that's what it took this week. It, it took a dog mentality to win, and, and he, he truly led that team to a victory this weekend.
0: Right, and, and getting past this weekend and this phenomenal win that we had over Marshall this weekend, we don't want to get too, too far ahead of ourselves because we've got to get to two and two. And that requires beating a Charleston Southern team that's going to be coming into our house this Saturday this weekend. Uh, FCS opponent out of the Big South. We had the play-by-play voice on uh, this past week to the talk with him, discuss what was going on with this matchup and how he felt about the matchup. Um, real quick, just a quick you know overlay. Charleston Southern coming in. What do you expect? Because this this has been games in years past. I mean, we, we've allowed some FCS opponents to come in and beat us at home. So it's not like it's out of the realm of possibility. How do you feel about this matchup this weekend?
1: Yeah, I think that this weekend, it it's going to let, – let's not kid ourselves. It's Charleston Southern coming in at coming right. Greenville, okay?
0: It should be a tune-up game. This, this should be a tune-up
1: this, game. This should be the game – I mean – this is the game like your this is usually your homecoming game, this type mm-hmm. of game. Right. But to me, this is a game that I mean if ECU if ECU is lose or if ECU wins by no more than fourteen points, or if, if say that there there's less than a fourteen point margin, mm-hmm. then we're gonna have some questions. Right. East, this game should be a blowout. Like, no offense. This is no offense to Charleston Southern. Hey, I, from what I've read, from what I've seen, they've got some ballers on their team.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But when you come in and you haven't you haven't experienced the atmosphere, like a Dowdy Ficklin Stadium, and they're expecting ticket sales to be around what they had for the South, South Carolina, Carolina game. So, yeah. I mean, 40,000 or so in the stadium. Charleston Southern –
0: They're not Uh, used to that kind of. They're not
1: used to that. When when you have that, and I guarantee it's not going to be Charleston Southern fans. Like there was a lot of South Carolina fans in the stadium, so I I think that I think you got to take that into effect. But I I just don't see. I mean, I yeah, this game might be tight for the first quarter, but after about after that, I I think this game's going to be pretty much wrapped up. Um, I, I don't I don't see it being close much longer. ECU. I mean, this might be the game. Everybody's been calling for Mason Garcia. This might be the game where you finally get to see him.
0: Yeah, and that's and that's going to be in the second half, kind of a kind of a blowout situation. I I, I agree with you. Uh, this game should be a tune-up game. We should be able to get back to 500, get to two and two, right the wrongs that we had at the beginning of our season going into Tulane with a fresh start because we really do need to be two and two going into Tulane. That that's going to be a really tough game. I think Tulane is going to give us a lot of fits, so we need to be healthy. And and this this game, like you said, it, it needs to kind of be a blowout win. It doesn't just need to be a win; it needs to be a blowout win. We need to see starters resting by the third quarter. We need to see guys that are usually still taking reps not taking reps, or or, or guys that are not usually taking reps taking reps in the second half. That's kind of what this game needs to be. Um, and so and and, and I, I agree with you. I think it needs to be a blowout. I think it will be a blowout. Um, kind of want to get into this interview. With the play-by-play voice of Charleston Southern, Kelly McClatchy. Played. Yeah. Yes. Let's uh
1: let's uh let's throw it over to Kelly McClatchy, play-by-play voice of the Charleston Southern Buccaneers. Let's do so, it. Hope you enjoy it.
2: This week on the Boneyard Podcast, everybody, we're uh, we're pleased to be joined by the play-by-play voice of the Charleston Southern Buccaneers, Kelly McClatchy. Kelly, how you doing, man?
3: You know, doing good, looking forward. You know, finally uh, falls back into the swing of things, get a little bit more normalcy going around. And, I mean, best of all, we got football going on. So, I mean, can't really complain too much about that, can we?
2: No, we can't. So, uh, let's just kind of hop right into it. Uh, one and one, Charleston Southern comes in. Uh, really, I mean, probably their big one of their biggest tests on the season, coming in, playing it in in Daddy Picklin Stadium in Greenville. Uh, what can you tell me about the first two games uh, for the Buccaneers?
3: You know, for the CSU team, it's, it's really been a tale of two games. You know, as cliche as it is and as cliche as it sounds, the, the season opener had to travel to the Crosstown Rival, play the Citadel, and they, they really they looked dominant, especially in the first 30 minutes. They controlled the first half, got out to a 21-0 lead, and really shut down the Citadel. Things kind of got away from them in the second half. The Citadel's able to kind of inch their way back into the game. Defense kind of kind of locked things down and shut it down for them. Um, and then really just this last week, it was for Charleston Southern for the entire program. It was really unfortunate that they had to play Monmouth this early in the season. Monmouth, you know, their top 20 program. They're, I mean, they're probably an FCS playoff team. And CSU, I think they're. They're right there on that precipice of being a playoff team. Um, You know, they just need – it's just they feel like they need those one or two things to just click for them. And against Monmouth, it it was – things got out of hand quickly. The offensive line really kind of broke down. And Monmouth Monmouth really had their way. They were able to kind of do whatever they wanted. And like I said, it's it's unfortunate that that game was so early in the season because I think if you take that game and you place it eight weeks down the line – we're talking about an absolutely huge Big South contest.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. I kind of want to talk about the uh, the quarterback, Jack Chambers. Tell us about, about him a little bit. What kind of quarterback is he? Is, is he a game manager? Is he a gunslinger? Is, is he a dual threat kind of guy? What, what kind of quarterback are we going to see in Jack Chambers come, uh, come Saturday?
3: Jack Chambers, is he's an absolute stud. I mean, I love watching him play football. You, you said it perfectly with that last one, dual threat. He's a guy, he does it with his arm, he does it with his legs. And I think the sneakiest part about him is his legs. He's got a, he's got a really strong arm, and he's, for the most part, pretty accurate. Um, he does a pretty good job in the pocket. The toughest thing for him is they got a, the offensive line, and that offense, they need to keep him upright when he has time. He's able to deliver some pretty good balls. But if you get him out in the space, if you don't contain him and keep him inside the pocket, he can do an absolute ton of damage, and, and he's not afraid to run. That's the thing. I feel like you see with a, dec- a decent amount of quarterbacks they'll kind of get out of the pocket and get a little nervous or you know slide down. Jack is he's one of those guys he's not afraid to take a hit and if he gets some open field, he will take it. You know, you leave anything in front of him and he's not afraid to run. I think that's something that kind of bit him in the first couple of years where he was a little too run first where he'd look up, he didn't see his first read, he saw a little bit of green grass and he said, "Okay, I'm going." let's do it and he'd just take off and I think that cost him a little bit when he was younger I think as he's matured as he's gotten older he's done a really good job starting to sort of settle in but like I said it it really all starts around the offensive line for Jack if they're able to keep him protected and give him a little bit of time he's able to find his, his pretty talented receivers that he's got around him
0: got you got you now no, can
2: I, you I, tell I... me oh go ahead Artie go ahead
0: well, I, I was just going to, you know, kind of sticking with the offense, you know, the ground game, they, they kind of average over 150 yards a uh, games, you know, so far in the early season. What can we expect from the running game as as far as, you know, getting kind of getting away from the quarterback? What can we expect from you guys as far as uh, running the football on offense?
3: Well, you're going to see it's really going to be a lot of the quarterback run. There's going to be a lot of RPOs, a lot of option plays. Um, and that's really how they pick up a lot of their chunk plays. JD Moore, he's kind of been the, he's been the lead back these first couple games. Um, JD, he's, he's not the biggest guy. He's shifty. He's got pretty good feet. Um, he's quick, but the problem is he's, he's not that big. Um, and so if he can get himself a little bit of space, he's able to make a couple guys miss and, you know get that speed. Once he kicks it into gear, he's able to go, but it really is. It's a lot of, it's a lot of chambers really controlling the offense and, and you know, they leave it up to him. It's whether he wants to do it with his arm or with his feet. Um, but yeah, the, the ground game, it's something that, it's something that Autry Denson and, and the coaching staff, they've really tried to build on uh, over the course of these last couple of years. Cause when Denson came in this, this entire, the entire offense was completely revamped. I mean, when Autry Denson stepped in, this was a triple option team. That's what they did. They were not a very big team. They were not necessarily the quickest team. They would beat you in the way that an Army or a Navy, you know, they'd just wear you down. They'd fall forward for, you know, three, four yards at a time. And when you do that, three, four yards at a time, you get four downs, you're going to get a first down. And that's how they would beat people, and that's how they'd kind of just wear them down. And they've switched it over. Autry Denson likes to call it an air raid with an attitude. Um, and I think that was been, that was something that was missing. His first two seasons was the run game. Um, they had a tough time kind of getting that going. They haven't really had like a premier back. They go, yeah, he's my number one. We're just going to feed him. They've had a lot of work in by committee. Um, but once the run game, I think it started to get a little bit better here, but they use that run game to open up the pass and it really helps the offense out as a whole.
2: So looking at looking at Charleston Southern, and, and you talk about uh, Altrui Denson. Talk talk to me a little bit about his stuff. What what are they? I mean, they have kind of the air raid offense, but as a whole, how are they trying? How are they trying to beat you?
3: Uh, they really. It's really about they, they've they been trying to go, especially this season, they've been trying to work on their tempo. Um, we saw it a lot against the Citadel, a little bit against Monmouth. The Monmouth game was a little bit tougher just just because Monmouth just simply controlled that game so well. Um, but, you know, offensively, they like to do it with tempo, you know, get up to the line, get going quick. You know, those RPOs, just, you know, little quick bubble screens, get the ball out quick and get the guys moving upfield as quick as they can. But really the, the focal point of the CSU team is the defense. Uh, I mean, they've – They've got a very experienced defense. They've got – I think you could – I think it's very fair to argue they've got probably one of the most talented front sevens in the FCS level. Um, they just got, you know, Shondre Mims, Nick Sally, Kyle Sivarth. I mean, those are just three guys, and they're they're so talented. They fly to the ball. They get a ton of pressure. That's been the one thing that, you know, they can get themselves in the backfield, especially Shondre Mims, who – the guy is an absolute freak of nature. I mean, he, he's a big dude, but he's got—he's so quick off the snap of the ball, and he can get in the backfield like it's nothing. But that's the way it is. They like to try and you know shut it down on defense, use it that way, and turn that defense into offense, and try to give the offense a short field, just because that's usually how that's usually how things go. If you can get if you can get your offense with less space that you got to go, and Jack Chambers especially when you get him down into that you know the the opposing team's 50 yard line that's when he can make a little bit more moves and it's really defense first um I mean you can kind of see it when you just look at the the makeup of the roster I mean it's it's such a talent and a really a really good depth um along the back side of the ball.
0: Gotcha. I'm, I'm actually glad that you brought up the defense because I was gonna I was gonna bring that up kind of kind of next you know and, and they've been giving up 31 points a game and I know it's early in the in the season what can that defense do to try to slow down a potent offense in East Carolina? Uh,
3: like I said, I think it's really going to it's really going to start over that the, the defensive line. It's going to start with uh, with Nick Sally and Chadre Mims, just to name two of them. Um, ja Courtney Snipes, another guy that he likes to play in the middle. Um, but it's those big guys down low. If they can get if they can get dirty down there in the trenches and just force some pressure, I think that's really where CSU has got the best opportunity to to make something happen. Um, and, and they really needed the secondary, the secondary for the CSU team. They've got Cody Klein, who Cody Klein, he's an all American, you know, he, he cut the hair, unfortunately, usually you can tell he's got, he's got these long blonde locks rolling out of the back of the helmet. But, uh, you know, he's, I don't know if he's exactly cut it or if he's just kind of, you know, keeping it up there right in the helmet so you can't see it, but he's, it, it's the secondary, I think that is the weakest point, but. I think it's mainly just because they they'd like to try and play, you know, they like to try and play some one on one. They kinda of like to try and play man on man and and really put the numbers in the box and try to force pressure and force mistakes.
2: So who who is you, you talk about the secondary? Are there guys that, that we should expect to be matched up with a guy like Tyler Snead or or CJ Johnson, two of EC's best receivers? Who who should be on those one and two matchups?
3: you're more than likely you're probably going to see a guy like Jared Stanley, um, Jared Stanley. I'm pretty sure he had an interception uh, this last week against Monmouth. He had a, he's been, he's been pretty solid. Um, he's a little bit undersized, uh, pretty good speed for him though. And he's usually able to stay with his man, but I mean, Jared Stanley, you're going to see another guy. Um, you're going to see another guy. got to pull, pull his up. They just had, it's the secondary young. Um, that's really the toughest thing. Forum. If I can find everybody here, let me pull up, pull up Matthew Williams. That's that's what I was trying to think of. Matthew Williams. He's a uh, he's an underclassman, really talented. He was one of the uh, he, was, he came in came into CSU really as an athlete, um, and they've they decided, you know, hey, you know, he's he's that athletic. We're going to put him at corner, and he had he looked really good in the uh, he looked really good in the spring. Um, he was there, but I think it's those are probably going to be your one two. Stanley's probably going to be the number one. Um, but you'll see you'll see Klein, he likes to – Klein likes to kind of float around and he helps out. Uh, but, I mean, Klein's mainly going to be the safety. He'll be coming up a lot. You'll see him a lot in the run support to help uh, clean those things up. Gotcha.
0: <clears throat> and speak to the, the magnitude of this kind of a matchup for Charleston Southern. Is this a big game for Charleston Southern or is it just, you know, are, are they kind of going to this – it's just another game on the schedule – it's ECU. We got to go in there, and try to try to try, you know, try to get it done. Or is this, you know, do they understand the kind of magnitude um, and environment that they're, they're going to be in on Saturday?
3: I think I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I think they kind of they kind of know, you know, going into this game, you know, and you know, an FCS opponent playing up to an FBS. You always kind of look to yourself and say, hey, you know, you never know what happens. You know, you can kind of go in When one or two things falls our way, we can make things interesting. But I think at the same time, they do know. Hey, you know, the the real, the real thing, the real important part of our season is big South play. It's conference play. That's where we can make it. You know, that's where we can make our mark because in the end, you know, in the grand scheme of things, beating a team like an ECU, yeah, it would look fantastic. It would be the first FBS victory in program history. Yeah, it would be a big deal. And I guarantee that Autry Denson and that that coaching staff, they're going to have those guys fired up and the goal is to going to go out there and win that game. But I think the biggest thing is, is is cleaning up any of those, trying to clean up some of these mistakes from this Monmouth game, and you know just put together a good showing and really try to build some momentum into these next couple of weeks for this CSU team. I think that's going to be, I think that's going to be the biggest goal for them. But I mean, like I said, I mean, I guarantee you, go and you talk to Altrui or any of these football guys. I mean, they're going to say, yeah, we're going in there to win. Come on, what are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> but yeah, I, I think realistically, realistically, I think this is it's a, it's a game where you go in you put your best foot forward. You try and make a name of yourself on TV, you know, try to get, you know, get the eyeballs on you and, and really try to clean up as many of those mistakes. And, you know, you're only going to get better by playing better opponents. And that's something that certainly can help CSU right here.
2: Now, one, one thing I'd like to ask you, Seth, uh, Coach Mike Houston, he, he's entering, he's in his third season here at, at ECU. I mean, he spent some time down there in Charleston, South Carolina, at the Citadel actually went 0-3 against Charleston Southern in his time there. What do you know about Coach Mike Houston?
3: Uh, I mean, me personally, I don't necessarily know a ton about Coach Houston. Um, I know he has been he was there before my time at CSU, but I do know that, you know, that's that you pulled out Mike Houston and never beaten Charleston Southern. It's one of those little things that, you know, when that when that game popped up on the schedule – Everybody kinda of looked around and you know, I can't speak for the guys in the in the program themselves, but at least know you know, in the in the communications aspect in our department, we kind of looked around and it's like, Hey, Mike Houston's never beaten Charleston Southern. Like it's it was something that, you know, we knew and it's it's one of those little things, one of those little cool things about sports that you kind of realize. But I know I know Houston. I've kind of followed him. I knew uh when he was up at James Madison. I mean, he's he's an extremely good coach. Um, you know, he, he really knows how to get the guys going and I've been nothing but impressed watching him, and you know, especially. I mean, you go from you go from the Citadel, you know, go to a James Madison, James Madison, really, kind of turn themselves into a perennial powerhouse up there with him at the helm, and then he makes that jump up to ECU and the FBS level. And I think Houston's definitely one of those guys. It, it t- it's going to take him some time, but I feel like once he gets once he gets the cliche again, his guys, and he gets everything all settled down, he gets things rolling. I do think that he can really build up a really good program.
0: Got you, got you. Also, I wanted to ask you a little bit about Big South football. Talk to us a little bit about Big South Conference football. What is it that makes that such a legitimate conference and a good conference for football?
3: It's deep. I mean, truthfully, that's that is the best. that's the best way to put it. I mean, you you look at, uh, like I said, Charleston Southern. They're they're missing. There's like those one or two things that they're just missing. I think to be a playoff contender, mm-hmm. but then you look at the top. You have you have a Monmouth. Monmouth is Monmouth is a playoff team in the FCS level. They're they're extremely talented, ranked inside the top twenty. They proved it against Charleston Southern. They came out and they just said, "Hey, we're going to be the better team. We're going to control this thing." You look at you got an NC, you got a North Carolina A They're another really talented program. Um, they're making their actually their first season in the Big South this year. Um, I love watching that ANT team. Um, especially the way they can run the football. But then you keep on going. You got teams like Campbell. Campbell is, you know, they're, they're a really solid team. They've been kind of up and down these last couple of years, but they're always one that you look on the schedule and go, Hey, that's, that's no easy game. And you got Gardner Webb and then Hampton, especially a couple of years ago, Hampton got all those big name transfers. I mean, you're looking at like Shai McKenzie, a Virginia tech guy. I mean, Deandre Francois, like, and those are just a couple of the names that jump out. So it's, it's really a conference. It's it's deep. And you know, every single week when you go in there uh, in the Big South play, you know, you're going to get your opponent's best shot. And you know, you, there's, there's really no teams you can walk in and go, okay, yeah, this is a cakewalk. We're going to take care of this because there really isn't. I mean, it's, you'll see a lot of, I think, especially as the year goes on, you're going to see, it's going to really be kind of one of those dog eat dog sort of conferences where, Not necessarily, I think Monmouth will be able to kind of run and hide at the top, but through the middle, you know, two at two through five, two through six area in the conference standings, it's really going to be teams just beating up on each other. And I think it's kind of, it's a little bit similar to uh, what we've seen in kind of like the Pac 12 the last couple of years. I mean, the Pac 12, those schools, you get those, you got those one or two that are, you know, really top tier that kind of sit at the top and the rest of it, everybody is just throwing haymakers and beating each other up. And so right. it's really tough to do a lot of damage to, you know, those top schools because you have to go out there every single Saturday, no matter who you're playing and be ready to fight for 60 minutes. Right.
2: And that, that kind of brings up a, a good, Thought that maybe I would love to get maybe an outsider's perspective. Uh, uh, coming from an FCS team, um, watching FCS and how their playoff system is set up. What 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 is your take on college football? The playoff being expanded. What I'd, I'd love to get your take. Seeing the FCS playoff and how that plays out. What's your take on that?
3: Yeah, uh, me personally, I I am a I'm an absolutely huge fan of the way the FCS does the playoff. Um, I, I truthfully, I think it's probably the right way. I think it's right to, you know, you give these conference champions, you give each conference champion an opportunity to go and win a national title. And then you can go through and sort out the, you know, sort out those, um, those at-large bids. That's what I was looking for, but you know, the at-large system, I mean, every it's, it's the same way with everything. There's going to be a few teams here and there where you kind of look at it and you go, I don't really know about that one, but I mean I'm I'm a, I've always been a big football fan. I love college football and I really do I think one of the things is you get a lot of people that are looking at the the playoff expansion at the you know at the FBS level in the college football playoff and everybody is so concerned, oh, you know, we, we can't go more than four, we're gonna get too many SEC teams or you know, it's gonna it's gonna take away from all the meaning of everything. I, I really don't think so. I mean, you look at the FCS, the FCS has been doing this for a pretty dang good long time and I mean especially once playoff time. I mean, I know I can speak for myself. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like there's a lot of people, especially when you get down to those, those last eight the FCS football, people pay attention to it. You kind of look at it and you get, you know, when you get in North Dakota state and a James Madison meeting up and in a semifinal game or, you know, a Weber state and a James Madison, you get these games that, you know, and it, it's bringing people, it's bringing these games from all across the country. Um, you know, I think that's the biggest thing is, is it, it's going to open up the door four teams in the American conference. It's going to give, cause I feel like that's been a big, it's been a big issue. And it's been a big talking point, especially the last couple of years is, you know, you look at a team like Cincinnati, Cincinnati is a pretty damn good football team, but because they're in the American, they're not, you know, they're not the ACC or the big 10, like, Oh, nobody has a chance or, you know, you lose one game, you're done. You're not going to, you're not gonna have an opportunity to play for a title. And I just don't, I don't think that's right. I think you want to put the best teams if you want to determine who the national champion is, and I I truly I don't think you can do it with four. I think you need to do it a little bit more, whether that's eight or twelve or six or however however the committee is gonna figure out if they want to do it if they want to do it. I do think that they can look at the FCS level and take a few notes because I think it works pretty dang well.
2: Yeah, I, I would agree. And that every time that anybody says, Oh, well. We we can't expand or because then we have more games, I always I always point uh, I'll say, yes, let let's look at the SCS and the way that they're doing it. I mean they're they're obviously doing something right. And I mean I always I always enjoy watching the SCS national championship game. I always think oh, usually yeah. you That's get always entertaining. usually yeah. you get two teams that or if even in other playoff games you get four teams that end up being, and they put out pretty good games. I mean, I love watching FCS football. I think it's some of the most exciting football and purest football that you can watch, bar none. Would you agree?
3: Yeah, yeah I, I really do. I, I mean, it's it's a ton of fun. I think, you know, you get – I think it's also one of these things. You get kind of at the, the, these FCS level and these schools – yeah, you can go to places. You know, you're going to have your Penn States, and you know, you're going to have these big FBS schools where the student body—they're going to show out, and just you know, it's going to be an insane atmosphere. But it kind of the FCS level, you're going to see that too. You're going to get you know the students that come out on a Saturday afternoon or a Saturday night for a big time game, and they're going to show out. They're going to make some noise for their team, and you know, you can get a lot of packed houses, and it is—it's—it's it's a lot of fun, and it really—it really kind of takes it back to you know, kind of takes it back to its root, you know, a little bit of that you know, a little bit of that kind of like Friday night lights feel, you know, you get excited when you, you know, when you see these big time matchups down there at the FCS level and, you know, you see some of these games like this Charleston Southern Monmouth game. It was one that, like I said, I mean, I, I'm really, I'm really upset that this game was played so early in the season because it would have just been, it would have been picture perfect to put this thing in you know, week 10, you know, get down right down near the wire. And it's entirely possible. You have a, you know, you've got a one, you know, one loss or an undefeated Charleston Southern going out because it's a one loss or undefeated Monmouth team. And just, you know, that's a game that you look on the schedule and you're just, you know, at any level, I mean, you're checking the ESPN app and you're looking around through it and you're going, man, like that should be a pretty dang good football game. Okay. Let's, you know, we'll, we'll turn that on, you know, have that, have that on one of the side screens, uh, you know, once you get going, but yeah, I mean, the, it's, it's fun. The FCS, you're gonna get good football. And, you know, I think when it the last thing when it comes to that playoff thing, I think, you know, another thing that I've heard a lot of people say is, you know, oh, we're gonna get the same teams in there, you know, oh, we're gonna get the Alabamas, the Georgias, the Ohio states, you know, it's gonna be the same teams. I mean, at the FCS level, you know, you can kind of say that to the same extent. You know, you have North Dakota State, you've got James Madison, they've been there every year, but the difference of the the difference of it is is with more teams, when you look at it, it's that it's that argument that you know, you can, you can look at me and say, Oh, well, of course that's the argument, but you know, who's not to say a Charleston Southern goes up against James Madison, you know, in that first round and everything falls right. Perfect that day. And then, you know, you've got, you know, you've got one of your top four seeds falling in the, in that first round matchup. And who's not to say that that can't happen at the FBS level. Who's not to say that a Cincinnati can't go into, you know, big mean Alabama and, and take down Alabama. And so I think it's. I think that's one of the biggest things, you know, when any any sort of any sort of playoff, expansion talk, or just you know football talk in general, is if you're a fan of football, you want to see the best games, and, and you know what, look, you're going to get your blowouts; they're going to be here and there, but, I mean, it's football in the end of it. You're going to watch sixty minutes, and those, you know, both teams are going to go out there, and they're going they're going to give everything they've got because they know, at the end of it, they've got a chance to keep on playing, they got a chance to go win a pretty big trophy.
0: All right. All right. Now kind of getting back to this game's or, or this weekend's game on Saturday, if you had to give a final prediction, what would your final prediction be and why?
3: I would love to say that Charleston Southern can pull <laughs> off an upset here. I would, but being realistic, I, I do think, I do think the game's going to be a lot closer um, than anticipated, at least in the first half. Um, I think the CSU team, I think they're going to come out really kind of motivated. I think they're, they're not happy about getting, you know, quite frankly, embarrassed at home, you know, home opener first time with a really big crowd, you know, since all the COVID and everything that's been going on, I think they're going to come out and they're going to come out, you know, kind of angry. And I think the first half will be interesting. Like I said, it's going to come down to the offensive line. If they can, if the offensive line you know, they were a little dinged up this last week, especially at the center position, um, JT Melton, who's the starting center, he went down, haven't really got much of an update on him. So we have one end um, this game on Saturday, but I think Chambers can make some plays. He's got some really talented wide receivers, Gareth Schwarting, uh, Caden Jordan. He's going to be a guy. Uh, keep an eye on him if uh, CSU gets down to the red zone. He's a really big body. He's got really good hands. Um, he's actually – he's a pretty good route runner too. Um, I think probably when it comes to it, I would probably come to say like a 41 – 41-17, 41-14. Like I said, I feel like it's going to be it's going to be close in the first half, but I think ECU in the end. I think ES, ECU is simply just going to wear wear CSU down and, and be able to kind of pull away in that second half.
2: And kind of along those lines, and, and we'll start wrapping this up. But uh, is there is there somebody from ECU from that ECU roster that kind of stands out to you? Is there somebody that you but you'd like to keep your eye out
3: for uh, this weekend? Um, I mean, really, I haven't gotten – I really haven't gotten a chance to watch a ton of ECU football, um, just, you know, with with everything being focused early on here this season uh, for us at CSU with, with those two early games. But I do think it's going to be – I think it's going to be interesting to watch. Um, I know you guys mentioned – you guys mentioned some of those wide receivers. I think that's going to be – I think that's going to be one of the big – you know, kind of matchup groups that CSU, I think they're really going to have to kind of focus on is because, you know, if they can get the pressure, you know, they can get the pressure, they can get in there. But if the quarterback's able to get the ball out of his hands quick and those receivers are able to get themselves open and they're able to get themselves some separation, you know, stay stay away from Klein, Matthews, and Stanley and kind of, you know, especially, especially if they can get behind them. I think that's one thing. The deep ball was something that hurt CSU this past week against Monmouth. They gave up a couple of them. So, you know, any of those big, those deep threats, those big time playmakers in that sense, um, I think those are the guys, you know, really kind of take the lid off the defense uh, and get things going. I think those, I think the wide receiver group, that's going to be kind of a a big matchup to watch. And I think if somebody's going to have a big day, it's going to be from one of those receivers.
2: Awesome. Well, Artie, you got any other questions? No, that was it for me. That That's all I've got, Killian. Thank you again for joining the Boneyard Podcast this week. Uh, best of luck to you and, and the Southern Buccaneers after uh, after this week. Uh, Pirates versus Pirates this week, Artie. Yeah. Be it's going to be an interesting matchup. Mm-hmm. Uh, battle
3: of battle the high seas. Yeah. yeah. There
2: you go. There you go. <laughs> yep. Put it on a trophy uh, like the war on I-4, I guess. But, yeah, uh, Killian. <laughs> You have, you have a you have a great rest of your uh, your week and uh, um, wish you nothing but the best. Okay.
3: Appreciate. It. Yeah, looking forward to this game on Saturday. Thanks y'all for having me on. And uh, yeah, good luck. Uh, good luck to you all for the rest of the season as well. Absolutely appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thanks. All
0: right. So that was our interview with the play-by-play voice of Charleston Southern. Jared, what did you think of that interview?
1: Uh yeah, I mean he he seemed. It it was a good interview. It, it was, I mean, as, as somebody that doesn't follow Charleston Southern, um,
0: right? <laughs> really at all.
1: I I honestly didn't know what their mascot was until about two weeks ago, <laughs> and I was like, oh, interesting. They're, they're the Buccaneers. Oh, Buccaneers. Were, we're we're the Pirates. Um, fun fact: EC started out as the Buccaneers. Had <laughs> um. So yeah, that I mean that that's uh. It it was good, um. In talking to him, I found out – so they don't – he doesn't even call the away games. Like, they don't have anybody to call the away games. He just calls home games. Oh, wow. So – I did not know. Just,
0: they don't have the funding or the money? Or? They don't have
1: – I guess not. So, uh, yeah. So, nobody will be calling – nobody will be broadcasting the uh, Charleston Southern – Charleston Southern side, side of, of the ball. Okay. Of the ball um, down in north northern Charleston. Technically, they're not even in Charleston. From mm-hmm. what I read, there's a lot of jokes about – how Charleston Southern isn't even in Charleston; it's in Northern Charleston. I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, I, I called around. I called around to find somebody for that interview, uh, quite a bit, and I was like, mm-hmm. everybody said no. Nobody covers them. Nobody covers them.
0: <laughs> That's I, was like, I
1: was like, and That's this is terrible. this is not to throw shade at them, but like, right?
0: But it's like you couldn't find nobody.
1: I was like, hey, I'm. I called like all the radio stations. I was like, y'all yeah, do the play-by-play for them, and they were like. No, we don't even know who does, and I was like, Oh <laughs> boy, I was like, So we might be the only podcast uh, that has a yeah, Charleston that has, Southern
0: ever interviewed anyone from Charleston Southern uh,
1: for this game, so that's why we're the premier podcast of Pirate Nation. Um, we, already, get, it
0: done, we get it done
1: already. Um, yeah, we, we 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 go the extra mile now. I will say. Oh, going back to, to what we were talking about real quick before before the game. We're recording on Friday morning. Usually we record on Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening. Last night, and this was part of the reason we wanted to record. Last night, Marshall played App State. And after watching that game, ECU should be two and one going into this game.
0: Who who won that game by the way? Because I didn't I didn't watch it. App State, I, 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 App I honestly... State,
1: App State won 31-30.
0: I figured it was going to be close and I figured it was going to be a good game. And I, and I just, I forgot it. It was like 1130 rolled around. I was like, Oh snap. There was an ECU or a Marshall uh, app state game. I fell asleep. I fell asleep. Wow. 3130. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, And they, they kicked a go ahead field goal. uh, I think. When was it? The fourth quarter, they kicked a go ahead field goal with Five minutes and forty-five seconds left. And well, honestly, I
0: mean, App should be undefeated too, though, because they should have beat Miami.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: They really should have beat Miami. So
1: well, the ACC is the ACC is a joke for this year.
0: Always is. Right, <laughs> Always what, is. What else but, we got?
1: What else we got to talk about, Artie?
0: Well, let's 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 recap this this game. Just I want to get a, a a quick you know um, analysis. Give me a final prediction, final score for this weekend. Going into Tulane, uh, Charleston Southern.
1: Um, I would say this game might be a forty-five to seventeen game.
0: Okay,
1: I, I think I think that's fair. I think I think a thirty-point. There's no spread for this game, seeing as we're playing an FCS team. But right. uh, I, I think putting it at about a thirty-point spread, mm-hmm. I, I I'm comfortable there. Um. So yeah, forty five seventeen. That that that's kind of where I feel. I don't I don't know, Artie. Um, <laughs> I I think that the offense lights it up. Heck, Mason Garcia might even have two touchdowns this weekend. Who knows? Um, yeah, yeah. I I don't see, I don't see this game being a game for long.
0: Yeah, not 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 too much really to talk about. You know, I I I agree. I think it's gonna be like a 45-10, 45, you know, 14 kind of kind of outcome. Um should should be getting it going early and often, and the game should be over by by halftime, honestly. So that's kind of we're on the same boat, same, same trajectory on now, that.
1: Now, I wouldn't mind seeing us put 50 up on the board. I, I like I would love to see that. Yeah, um, but you don't
0: want to get disrespectful.
1: No, no, but I would love to see. That timing, get back together, and right that once again, it is a tune-up game, right? Mm-hmm. It's a tune-up right before you go into conference play. You can go into conference play two and two, really. Then all you have to do is go four and four in conference play, and you're a bowl team. So, um, I, I would love to see, especially with a with a test against a team that has shown. I mean, Tulane's a good team. The next two weeks are, are good opportunities for ECU to beat good teams, right? And Tulane and and UCF. Honestly, I don't. I, I see. I see UCF is uh, they're not struggling, but but they're not they're not looking great right now.
0: Right, they're, they're mortal. They, they have shown that they are mortal, and they they can be beat. So, and they have a quarterback that is with a torn clavicle out. So, UCF definitely is showing that they are mortal. Um, just real quick. Through the first four weeks, and, and we you know fully expect to win this game. We fully expect to get back to two and two. Give me your say of the program right now, as it pertains to after this weekend going into Tulane. If we are indeed sitting at two and two, that's really about where we expected to be at at this point in the season. When we did our preseason, you know, kind of kind of rankings, we we, we kind of had us at three and one, two and two. So we're pretty much, you know, we're on par. You know, we're on we're on, we're on par for the course. So give me your state of the program right now as pertains throughout the first four weeks.
1: Yeah, Artie, I mean, this is – it's been unfortunate the way you lose against South Carolina. Right. I mean, you think you should win that game. Um, App State, as I said just a couple minutes ago, that's a game that you – looking back at it after you've seen the two teams that, um, you've played play, you think, okay, we beat that one team. We didn't beat the other. We should have beat the other team as well. Mm -hmm. Um, that that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking. And so I, I have reason to, uh, to be optimistic about this team and we've seen it. We've seen it over the last two years under coach Houston, the team gets better as the season progresses. Um, Mm -hmm. Whole Nailers gets better as the season progresses, and I, I like I like the opportunity that we that we have here. I mean, to to go on the road and beat Marshall that that's that's massive. Then this weekend you got Charleston Southern. I mean that's uh you should that's a win. And then you're looking at it, and the way the the season kind of unfolds after this, I mean there's games on the schedule that are definitely winnable games. So I'm I mean just looking at it, if you if you win if you win this weekend, you have a shot to beat USF, you should beat USF Temple and Navy. Okay. Th- those should be three wins. The goal this year is to get to a bowl game. Right. That's the goal. To get to 6 wins and get to a bowl game. So then you, that that leaves you having to beat to one of Tulane UCF Houston Memphis or Cincinnati right I mean to be honest with you Cincinnati might be the worst eight ranked team in the country that I've ever seen they 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 damn near lost to Indiana last week
0: Indiana's not a bad team though
1: Indiana's, Indiana's not a bad team but they're not a good team either
0: that's I mean what that that was supposed to be a fight though that that, that game was supposed to be a fight Indiana was going to put up a good game i I expected that
1: and then so. You you also you look at Memphis who I mean wins on a terrible kind of call um, we'll get into that in a little bit yeah but um, I mean that's I mean th- there's teams on here that are are beatable um, I, I think if you can if you can rattle off a win against UCF or Houston or Tulane then you're you're definitely looking at a bowl at a bowl team right. Um, if you go win at Charleston, win against Charleston Southern, win against Tulane, you're, you're a bowl team. To me, you're a bolting. team. You're looking at.
0: Go ahead. You 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 see six wins still left on our on our on our on our schedule. I, I out, see at least five. You see six. Okay, you see five.
1: Okay. I see at least five with a good opportunity. I mean, you look at it. We weren't supposed to beat SME last year. We weren't like that was not supposed to be even a close game. And then we go into SMU and they we blow them out. So that I mean, that that's one of those games where it's like, okay, like this is this is big time. Like we we have a shot. You get Tulane, Tulane's had a rough year this year. Um, They've played really good games, almost beat Oklahoma. Almost um, they then they lost who they lose to last week, Ole Miss. I mean, yeah. they they blew out Morgan State. They got a tough matchup this weekend against UAB. I mean,
0: they this, can lose to UAB. U- UAB is UAB is no joke.
1: Yeah, there. I think I think UAB is a three point favorite in that game.
0: Yeah, like, yeah UAB is for real.
1: Um, so, also, by the way, some breaking news, Artie, and I don't think this is confirmed anywhere, but uh-huh. a source has told us. Three of the teams joining the American Conference, and one of them is UAB.
0: Ooh. Do we, we know the other two?
1: Yeah, Air Force Academy and Colorado State.
0: Those are three big ones.
1: And then I Those can also, coming from a source that we have, close to the, close to the situation at the conference, at the conference and, and their representatives, no Sunbelt team is coming over. So that means no App State, no Louisiana.
0: No Sunbelt team.
1: No coastal and and wow. Artie, one other piece. Watch out for it, Marshall. Welcome to the Sun Belt. Wow, I, I'm I'm telling you that that's what's going to happen. And expect to an announcement. Why no, why with,
2: no
0: Sun Belt teams in the American?
1: That they they looked at them. I don't think the Sun Belt teams are ready to leave. Um Okay, I, I think that they're going to bet on themselves. Okay, I think that they're still flash in the pan. But hey, yeah. That's that.
0: That's that's them. If that's their decision, that's what they want to do. That's what uh, they're going to
1: do. I do know this. There, so sixteen teams were looked at um, to join the American. Boise State, San Diego State, of course, um, were looked at. Marshall was looked at. App State was looked at. Georgia State was looked at. Coastal was looked at. Louisiana Lafayette was looked at, um, in, including some other schools. I believe Rice um, was also looked at. Um, so. Yeah, you have 16 teams. The conference has whittled it down. It, it's not so much so that the universities are backing out. The conference has whittled that that list down. So, as of right now, I know of three teams that are joining, uh-huh. and I, expe- I fully expect there to be more and an announcement to be made in the next week and a half.
0: Gotcha.
1: So, you're hearing it here first, okay? The Boneyard Podcast calling our shot. And uh and yeah, so watch out for that. And uh when it happens in the next ten, nine days, uh you Huge. can go you can go back to us and say, Oh yeah, the uh the official premiere podcast of, of Pirate Nation <laughs> uh said this. Uh yeah, so can we still find five more wins Artie? hmm. I think there's a possibility. I I'd put our odds at about five fifty fifty percent, five hundred, right? Um, I think I'd see at least three more wins. Temple's not good. Temple's not good. Um, no, USF not good. They're gonna get the the breaks blown off of them this weekend by BYU, and then um, cool. Navy. Navy is not good either. And already, Which I was thinking –
0: sad. I, I I like I like I like I think our conference is better when Navy's good. Honestly, I mean so it, it's sad to see them in the dumps.
1: Navy is going into their uh third matchup they play Houston they put up a total of 10 points
0: <laughs> they're just they're not good
1: and this is usually a team that puts up a lot of points yeah. with that with that triple option and they put up 10 points through two games they lost 49 to 7 to Marshall um week 1 so once again there's another head to head opponent that we can compare against that should be a win right um temple not very good Mm-hmm. I'm I'm pretty sure who who'd they they got blown out last week, didn't they? Uh, pulling up their they're one and two. My computer's being slow. Uh, yeah, they lost to Boston College twenty-eight to three last week.
0: Okay,
1: lost sixty-one to fourteen to Rutgers. Wow. Yeah, give me that. Give me
0: that. Sixty-one to fourteen to Rutgers. Okay. So, Rutgers is undefeated. They're gonna lose this weekend, but.
1: Yeah, I mean, who has Rutgers played?
0: They're playing. Well, they ain't played nobody until tomorrow. They,
1: play, they played. They've played Temple, Syracuse, and Delaware. Yeah,
0: they. they they're going to get anybody. their.
1: They're going to get their ass run through tomorrow when they play Michigan.
0: Yeah, they're they're they're, they're going to get ramrodded. But then that, the, that's a discussion for another day.
1: And then the very next week they play Ohio State, which Ohio State hasn't looked great either. So, I mean, it, there's that's the thing with college football right now, Artie. You can you can always say like, okay. You should win these games there there's never a definite, but there's a there's a good chance. I think there's a good chance EG finds five more wins this season. um we know one of them is gonna be this weekend. We know three right. of them or we have a good idea that three of them are gonna be temple uh navy and u s f and then i mean you you just gotta find one more you gotta go you gotta go one in four or one in three in in the other four right right so to me. There's a good opportunity that EC finds one of those wins, right? I mean, you you look at a Houston or a Memphis as an opportunity, and it, it's funny that we're looking at the schools that are, are possibly leaving the Big 12. How much of a gut punch would it be to those those teams that are leaving for the for the Big 12 to get beat by East Carolina and, and won one their last seasons and, and really leave a bad taste in their mouth?
0: Right. I mean that that that's the goal, though. I mean that's. Yeah. That. I mean they, these teams that are leaving, it's the goal to kind of ruin their season and let them know what's 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 up and what they're going to be missing on the way out. I agree with you. Um, I think right now we have a fifty percent chance of of getting two, five to six wins. Um, for me, it's about going five hundred throughout, and and the next three weeks are really going to be a, a signal as as to if we can do that. You go ahead and give us the win. We get the we get the two and two. Uh, for, for this weekend but the next two weeks Tulane UCF you find a way to at least win one of those games I don't think you have to win both but I think you should at least at the very least try and find a way to win one of those games get to three and three and then who knows once you get to three and three your season's still kind of on the you know you're still on par for the course so you know who knows what happens after that but I, I agree I think it's going to be tough I don't think it's going to be that easy um, and also you know we said we should beat Temple. We said we should beat USF. Those could be games where we don't know. We could come out and lay an egg and lose a game to a team that we shouldn't lose to. So uh, you still got to go out. You still got to play good football. And, uh, but I, I do see five wins. Hopefully, we can get to six and get to a bowl game this year. I know our, our fan base is thirsting to get back to a bowl game. So um, hopefully, we do see that.
1: Yeah. And I mean, looking at it right now, I mean, Houston really hasn't played anybody, they, they played Rice. And Grambling State the last two weeks, yeah, they played Texas Tech, but they're good. But like, I'm not seeing any team that's unbeatable right, right. now outside of maybe Cincinnati. Right. And I mean, I think UCF. I mean, they're what one and two on the season. Or no, they're two and one. They barely beat Boise State. Mm-hmm. Well, Bethune Cookman, and then lost a heartbreaker, and I laughed my ass off. Yeah, that, that,
0: Louisville. that Louisville
1: game. Yeah, that was great. That was great. UCF walked the damn plank.
0: Yeah, you can't be you can't be throwing the ball at that that late. You got you got to hand the ball off. The game's pretty much over. You got to hand the ball off.
1: Well, I mean, any any team leaving for the Big Twelve right now, I, I'm telling them to walk the damn plank. I'm pulling against them. Any team, so, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care if you're playing non conference. I'm pull, I'm pulling for the other conference. I don't care.
0: I mean, but they they were they were driving as if they were still trying to score. They had the lead. They, that didn't make any sense to me. So
1: Yeah, I, I saw I saw a tweet it said maybe that was the ending that, that ECU needed to break the curse.
0: <laughs> and
1: uh and ECU then came out and uh and won a game that they usually wouldn't They usually
0: win. lose. Exactly. But betting lines. Jared, you got any of this week?
1: Uh yeah, let, let me let me pull them up. Uh, usually let's, I put let's, them on on the these. notes. Yeah, let's
0: let's let's pull these up. Let's go ahead and get into these betting lines right. for this weekend's matchups.
1: All righty. Uh, let us start off with an American Conference matchup. So, uh, all right, this is a good one, Artie. You got three and out SMU going on the road to TCU. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, mm. those are both in
0: Dallas, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: But Fort Worth. The, so yeah. So
0: basically, it's, it's the Dallas area. Yeah. yeah
1: so um. 3-0 SMU going on the road. TCU uh, is the 100th edition of this game. This is a rivalry. Uh, the spread is 9.5. Um, TCU is a favorite by 9.5. Over under 65. I think this is a high-scoring high, high scoring game. You still got Shane Buscelli. Oh, no, you got Mordecai. Shane Buscelli out. Um, I'm trying to remember this guy's fr- first name. Tanner Mordecai. Uh, I mean, dude's already thrown for a thousand yards, sixteen touchdowns this year uh, through three games, uh, and, and then you got this, and you got Max Duggan coming over from TCU. So, I think me, I, I'm taking SMU in this game. Mm-hmm. I think SMU has a good team. I think they're, I, I, I think they at least cover the spread. I don't think this is a ten point game. I, right. I think, I think this might be a more of a field goal or touchdown game, but I don't, I don't see a 10 point game unless you kick a field goal or score another late touchdown in, in garbage time.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know too much about TCU. I haven't really kept up with them in the last couple of years. Um, I'm with you. I think SMU probably wins this game close. It's a rivalry game. It's a battle of the other of of the church schools, Texas Christian and Southern Methodist. Um, so Give me SMU. I do think it's going to be high scoring. Both of these teams like to put up points. I do know that. TCU is, is notorious for putting up a lot of points year in and year out. So, um, yeah, take the over and give me SMU in that one. I think they win close.
1: Okay. Um. Right down the road in, in Raleigh, the Clemson Tigers.
0: Ooh. Watch out for this Tennessee one. State. This, this, this matchup is always close for some reason. It doesn't matter how good Clemson is. Watch out for this matchup.
1: Clemson Clemson (laughs) ninety.
0: Clemson, for some reason, Clemson, NC State, it's always entertaining. It's always a good game. State has honestly probably should have won some of these games in years past and have kind of let it slip from their grasp. Um, uh, Give me Clemson. Clemson needs a good bounce back game. They didn't look good last week against Georgia Tech. They really didn't. And that, that was a game they could have lost at home to Georgia Tech. Um, but give me Clemson. I, like I said, I think they need a bounce back game. I think they need to show the committee and, and the rest of the nation hey, we still have a whole bunch of really good guys here. And we still got Dabo and, 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 and the crew. We're, I think they go into NC State. I think they win that game. I, first half is going to be close. I think the third quarter is going to be close. I think Clemson pulls away early in the fourth quarter and they don't look back. So they, they pull away early in the fourth quarter they probably get a touchdown, two touchdown, two and a half touchdown lead and then it kind of goes from there. So give me Clemson. I don't know what's the over under on that.
1: Um the over under the over under is let's see uh 60
0: no 47.5. Okay, yeah, definitely take the over. Take the over on that. I think it's going to be like a 35 31, no, I'm 35, 35-21, 30, 35-21 football game. I think Clemson pulls away late.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think Clemson covers, and uh, I do think that they take the over. Um. So, cool. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go with a, uh, the most exciting matchup of the weekend. Mm-hmm. Also in the state of North Carolina, Kansas
0: at Duke. Oh my goodness! This is supposed to be a basketball game. Yeah, that's that's the only Kansas Duke I'm trying to see.
1: Duke is a 16 point favorite in this game.
0: Didn't Duke? They beat Northwestern last week. I they believe. Beat North,
1: they beat Northwestern in week one. Um, oh no, they oh, it was last week. It was yeah. It was I, okay, week.
0: yeah. I thought they played Northwestern. They lost week. to
1: Charlotte and then they blew out AT. So,
0: so they're they're two and one now. Yeah. Mm, I,
1: but you haven't beat anybody.
0: I mean, look, they're playing Kansas. Kansas is not gonna Kansas is not going to Wallace Wade and winning this game. It's not gonna happen. This is and it might be close. It might be a blowout. I don't know. I don't know enough about Duke or Kansas football. I do know Kansas football sucks. It's really, really bad. Um East Carolina should blow out Kansas football. So give me Duke. Give me Duke in a route.
1: Okay. Um all right, we'll start wrapping it up here in a second, but uh, here, here's maybe one of the most interesting games on the weekend. Texas A&M travels down to Arkansas. Number I'll seven be- Texas A&M against sixteen Arkansas. A&M's a five and a half point favorite. Um, the over under forty seven. So yeah.
0: Um, this is going to be an interesting matchup.
1: Two three I no mean- teams.
0: Yeah, AM Arkansas. I like Arkansas too. I, I, I low key like Arkansas. My dad was a Razorbacks fan growing up for a little bit. Um, I remember having having the Razorbacks gear when I was when I was a little kid. Don't know why he was an Arkansas fan, but he 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 rooted for Arkansas. So I I I, I wanna root for Arkansas. I wanna take the Razorbacks. Uh, I think is gonna win. I think AM is a complete team. I think they do go in and win this football game. I think it's close. Uh what's the what's the uh the over under on that?
1: The over-under on that game is 47.
0: Mm, take the over. I think I, – I take the over on that. I think that's going to be a high-scoring matchup. I think that that could be the game of the weekend. Uh, give me like a I, – I got – Give me I got, a 38-36 kind of A&M victory.
1: I got you the game of the weekend here in a second coming up, but I got one more game to ask you about, Artie. What's um, up? Does – Southern Miss cover the spread against Alabama this weekend. <laughs> it's Alabama Alabama's a 45 point favorite. Does the Southern Miss at least cover the spread?
0: I think they do. They cover the spread, but only because you're gonna have four stringers in by the third quarter. Uh, you're gonna have 18 year old kids playing it by by the third quarter for Alabama. Uh, that's yeah. They they probably cover the spread only because of that.
1: All right. And last but not least, I think this is the game of the weekend. This is probably the most exciting game that we'll have this weekend outside of um, A&M Arkansas. Uh At Soldier Field in Chicago, Mm. Notre Dame, Wisconsin. Wisconsin's a a six-and-a-half-point favorite over the Fighting Irish. Uh, Let's see. 45 point or 45 over-under. I mean – Notre Dame hasn't looked great. Like they've looked okay. They, they won. No. They they won by three against Toledo. Barely beat Florida State, who looks like shit. <laughs> they won by two touchdowns against Purdue. That's a game they should have blown them out in. Wisconsin. They only lost. Their loss came against Penn State, I believe, week one. I mean, yeah. And then they blow out Eastern Michigan. They lost by six to Penn State. Who Penn State's now three and and0. Just beat a top twenty-five SEC team.
0: team. Yeah.
1: So, looking at it, I mean, I got I got to think that Notre Dame, Wisconsin, like like I said, Wisconsin is a six and a half point favorite. They're ranked eighteenth. I think they take them down. I I think, and I don't. I don't think it's particularly close either.
0: Yeah, honestly, um, take me to Chicago. Take me to the big dogs up there in the windy city. I'm I'm from Tinley Park. I'm Tilly Park, baby. I, 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 think, I think this is gonna be a good game. Um Notre Dame. Oh my goodness. We're having technical difficulties. I'm still trying to figure out how to work this thing. You can hear that, right? You can you can yeah, you can hear? Yeah, I can yeah. Hear I figured it. you could. Okay. Anyway, this, this is a game Notre Dame's gonna lose. I, I I think they're poised to lose this game. They haven't looked good to start the season. Uh Wisconsin is no joke. They're always pretty good. They always hang tough with people um they lost like they have a quality loss to Penn State that that's a quality loss outside of that they've looked good um I think it's close but I think Wisconsin wins I I think they the the six point favorite honestly I think they kind of hit that I think they win by six
1: yeah um Notre Dame so needed overtime to beat Florida State who Florida State lost to Jacksonville State And then (laughs) Wake Forest.
0: If you think your program is bad, just look at Tallahassee. Oh my goodness
1: gracious, ECU fans, it could be worse. It could could be so much worse. You could have gone from (laughs) Jameis Winston and national champions to losing to Jacksonville State.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: Um. So yeah. And then we've already we've already kind of given our predictions for this week. Artie, you got to walk the plank.
0: I do have a walk the plank. I do too. I do have a walk the plank um it's it's a bittersweet walk the plank for me for the first time in 13 years my Chicago White Sox have won the A.O. Central they won the division no shock no shock they, they won a division like three or four months ago and they're also that's the only worst division in baseball but let me get to my point that's my point Jared White Sox fans should be exhilarated right now we should be happy we're going to the playoffs we have a legitimate team we look good we ain't beat nobody. Our division sucks. The A.O. Central sucks. It's, it's, it's a dumpster fire. It's trash. I think the second best team in that division is the Cleveland Indians at 74 and 77. That's the second best team. The worst team is the Twins at 67 and 85. The A.O. Central is just – it's been a mess all season long. The White Sox have played phenomenal. They still look good. I'm still, I'm still betting on having a parade on the south side – Come November, like that first week in November, I don't care, I don't care, I don't give a damn. Let's go ahead and start the parade celebration. I see doing, the, I see you doing the tomahawk let's, chop. Let's, let's, I see doing the tomahawk chop. I didn't mean to
1: do that. You, you just were, you just were. You were doing the tomahawk <laughs> chop. You that subliminally, you know, you know what you're doing in your head. Subliminally, no. you know what's going on. No. Top Nation. Braves no. to the World Series. We're Nobody's back on top. Nobody's worried about We're the going. Atlanta Braves. We're
0: going. Nobody's worried about the Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves are going to do what they always do. They're going to they're gonna go to the playoffs, and then they're going to be in a really good series, and they're going to lose in six or seven games. That's what the Atlanta Braves are going to do. All right? We know this. Just get your mind prepared for that, that disappointment that you always see year in and year out. But you know what? At least the Braves make the playoffs. My White not don't even make the playoffs. So you got to give me this moment. But – A.O. Central, walk the damn plank. I hate you guys. You stink. Go White Sox.
1: I mean, if the season ended right now, the Chicago White Sox would play the Houston Astros in the first series. Don't nobody care about the Strohs? Now, that wild card game is going to be wild. Yankees-Red Sox. Yeah. Give
0: That's me really that. Good.
1: That's going to be Right now, Braves would play Milwaukee. In, uh, in the first round of the playoffs. So, yeah. All right. Mine, Um, you know, I've been saying this for a couple weeks now, and mine's kind of all over the place. I'm going to tell quite a few people to walk the plank while doing the same walk the plank. All right. Um, so, last week, uh, Memphis, Miss- Mississippi State. Right, did you see this?
0: I did. I heard about it. But I didn't see it.
1: So, Mississippi State – Downs the punt at the six yard line, he's touching the ball, takes the knee, and downs the, downs the punt, right? Well, he didn't hand the ball back to the referee. Mm. the referee and you could see the referee giving the hand signal, right stopping the clock, stop right, stopping the play. And then, but you have it like the head umpire isn't stopping the clock, so the Memphis player.
0: Keeps running.
1: Picks up the ball and takes off down the field. 94-yard punt return touchdown.
0: They should have been able to review that and call that dead.
1: Well, they did review it, and they didn't overturn it. And then, even after the game, the SEC puts out a a note saying, Mississippi State, kind of like when the American put out the note saying, ECU should have beat Tulsa.
0: Right.
1: The SEC put out a note basically saying, oh, Mississippi State, you should have beat Memphis, yada, yada, yada. Well, SEC, that's all fine and dandy, but those are your refs. Those are your refs in that game. You cost your team that game. The only person you can blame, only place you can blame, is the SEC. We saw some piss poor officiating a couple weeks ago when South Carolina came to ECU. Now, it wasn't as atrocious as that. Yeah, but we saw terrible. some. We saw some. That was SEC refs. And all the SEC teams are getting mad and mad. But my, my – okay, so those that officiating crew walked the damn plank. That's one. That's one. SEC walked the damn plank. Putting out a letter like that doesn't do a damn thing. EC fans know that for damn sure. Okay. Two, last week Auburn plays on the road Penn State whiteout game. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Or Penn State has to punt on third down because the officials got the down wrong. Once again, SEC officials, James Franklin is incensed. And he should be. And he should be, rightfully so. Well, where's the note about that? Where's the note about, hey, we messed up here. Because it helped your SEC team, even though they still lost.
0: Yeah.
1: Wait, come on now. Get it right.
0: They had it. They they had it. Look, it was bad for officiating all across the board because the NFL was atrocious, too. I was watching those games last weekend, and the officiating in the NFL was terrible.
1: Yeah, and then this this taunting call. Get out of here. I
0: mean, officiating has just been bad. The last few weeks has just been bad. They got to clean it up on on all aspects. They really do. I
1: I truly believe that referees, if you're going to be a head referee or umpire, you should a hundred percent have to answer to the media. Make make the one person, the head guy, answer, answer to the, the media.
0: media.
1: <laughs> Do that. What did you see? What did you see? They, kind they
0: probably they probably wouldn't be able to explain it honestly. They'd be like, "Hey, look, you know, I was I was caught while I was watching the game. I'm not gonna lie to you, I was watching but, the game. Or I was doing this." And,
1: but see, like, football already kind of does that, right? I mean, where They have to turn on their mic and say, tell what the penalty or the reason why they're calling what they're calling is. Right. But in other sports, they don't. I mean, you don't have that in baseball where replay has screwed the Braves out of at least four or five games this year. Like, it's a known thing. It's a known thing. So, all umpires, all referees should be held responsible for – their actions for what what they the call they make,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I get making a bad call every once in a while. But if you have replay, let's fix it. Also, Memphis had two number fours on on the return out on the field. They had two guys wearing the same number. That's a penalty. That should have won the play dead right there. Right. Heck, one of them scored the touchdown. <laughs> like I, I don't know. Uh, officiating SEC. Um. Yeah, y'all y'all walk the damn plank, and then Mississippi State fans and SEC fans that are butthurt over losing to Memphis, y'all walk the damn plank because it shouldn't have been a close game. Anyways, um, yeah, that, that's I just everybody walk the damn plank. Okay, that, that's all I got. That's, there's so many people that in this situation should be walking the damn plank, and it's not even it's not even remotely close.
0: So yeah. On that note, it has been a phenomenal show. Everybody walked the damn plank, according to Jared Shaffit. All of you deserve to walk the damn plank, except for ECU. ECU over Charleston Southern this weekend. Get the dub. Probably won't be watching the game because I don't know where the hell the game's gonna be at. But it's on ESPN Plus. To to it. It's on the ESPN Plus. Oh, I don't have ESPN Plus anymore. Oh, jeez, Yeah, I got rid of it.
1: I I I got I've got to go to a wedding this weekend.
0: So do I. <laughs> so,
1: um, yeah, I'll be at a wedding this weekend during the game. I don't know what lunatics schedule a wedding during football season.
0: Granted, yeah, yeah. we got to we got to be we got to come on, ladies, ladies. This is to the ladies. Seriously, you got to stop doing this to men. You got to stop doing this wedding stuff in the fall.
1: Granted, my wife scheduled our wedding in the fall. Our our anniversary is coming up this or week. Or
0: at least do it on a weekend where like the, the games aren't that good.
1: Yeah, ECU played Old Dominion and won on a last-second field goal
0: <laughs> during my wedding. Hey, at least they won.
1: That was the same day, Artie, you and I, we were watching uh, Syracuse beat Clemson.
0: That's right. Yeah, right right before. I remember that. September
1: ninth, 2018, my, my anniversary. Shout out to my wife. Uh, Artie, I don't know if you saw. She came in here and gave me a kiss before she left. Uh, yes. She's going to get ready for um, the rehearsal dinner. One of her one of her bridesmaids is getting married this weekend awesome. so uh we'll, we'll be at a wedding tomorrow night and be at the rehearsal dinner uh awesome. tonight awesome. yeah i think you can see my suits getting ready yeah. back yep. there yep. so um so yeah we might have a we might have Brandon Avery back on the ones and twos on on twitter um so yep. make sure you go follow him um i i don't have his twitter at off the top of my head but mm-hmm. um follow him and uh so yeah that that's it Um, and then happy anniversary to my wife. Um, she doesn't listen
0: to the Shaffits.
1: She does not listen. I know that for a fact, but, uh, I know one of her friends, Catherine Brinkley listens occasionally. Um, (laughs) so shout out to you, Catherine, uh, former Ramseys.
0: Also shout out to, uh, shout out to DJ and it's that is the wedding that I will be at this weekend. They're going to be celebrating their love in hidden night. I don't know where the hell that is hidden night, North Carolina. Uh, should be a good time. Should be a good venue. Cannot wait to see the boyos out there. Uh, not in the wedding, but going to the wedding. So uh, shout out to them.
1: Yeah, um, and then Aaron and Nick, the Todds. Y'all, y'all are awesome. Uh, Nick, Nick, uh, in last week. So I watch. I was, I know we we tried to wrap this thing up. I, so I watched the game last week from my phone. Granted, it was on Facebook while well, I was at a Willie Nelson concert. Artie. <laughs> And, uh, and Nick invited. How was
0: that, by the way? How was the Willie Nelson concert? I completely forgot you went to that thing. Uh, it,
1: it was fun. It was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um,
0: a lot of weed in the air.
1: Oh yeah. Oh good. yeah. Good.
0: Um, good. Good.
1: Lots of weed. Not smoked by me, but there, there's a <laughs> lot of. There's a lot of people. Uh, partaking, and uh, it, it was a good show. I mean, it, it's one of those shows that. If you have a chance to go see a legend like Willie Nelson, All right, uh, you, you go do it. You take that chance. You're you, you, you I'm not even it.
0: I'm not even really into Willie Nelson's music and I'd still go to a Willie Nelson concert. So,
1: yeah, I mean he he played some he played some good music. Willie Nelson's one of those guys he he's for the people. Um just like us. We're for the people. Um so yeah, that that was that was really nice. It was fun. Um had a good time. And yeah, but shout out to Nick. Nick invited me. He's getting married tomorrow, um, so shout out Nick and Aaron. Um, we love y'all, and yeah, shout out DJ, my boy. DJ, I won't be at your wedding, but um, I'll be I'll be at another one. So yeah, shout out to love all around people, except for except for Charleston Southern. They can walk the damn plank this week. They can walk the damn
0: plank. Exactly. Love you, Fire Nation. We out. Peace.